This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Episode number 11 of The Wheelhouse is the first episode Kind of from Peoria. That's where Jerry DePoto is. I'm Aaron Goldsmith. I'm in Kirkland, Washington. Jerry, uh, we can almost, if you crack your window enough, we can almost hear the crack of the bat, the pop of the glove. What is it like to, to be around actual baseball again? Um, I'm very excited. It, it's, uh, it was a long wait. Uh, frankly, today, the first time we've seen the sun, it was also a long wait. And now we've got a full squad here. We're generally whole. We've got a couple of players banged up, but otherwise it's great to see healthy bodies running around out there. Remember, you can always subscribe on iTunes or on TuneIn. This will obviously be a, a very early impressions of spring training, intensive conversation with Jerry. Uh, but Jerry, before we talk about what's going on in the backfields there in Peoria, I have to find out because the last time we spoke, you were hours away from getting into a car with your wife and your dogs, and driving all the way from Seattle, Washington, to Peoria, Arizona. How'd the road trip go? The road trip was great. We had, uh, you know, we had our two dogs, Winnie and Louie, and uh, my wife Tammy and I. We, we had it was a twenty-two plus hour drive. We we took it over five days. We stopped in San Diego, La Jolla, to watch my son play uh, with the UCSD Tritons this past weekend, or the weekend before last. And it was great. We got to see them go four and one, his first win of the season. We had uh, we had good tunes. The dogs were incredibly well behaved the whole drive. The one nuance with uh, with having a, a puppy, you know, we have our our puppy is 17 weeks old, uh, and having a new puppy in the car meant that when we stopped, it was no longer like stop everybody let's go pee get back in the car. We we were taking our one hour around every rest stop so that Louie could smell and try to eat everything in sight <laughs> but uh, otherwise it was it was great now forgive me if i'm not remembering if you told me this on an earlier podcast is louis another bulldog uh louis is a french bulldog a french bulldog uh, he, okay. he, yeah we, we have winnie is a winifred but her full name is uh is an english bulldog louis uh who is it louis is short for lou garrick he is uh he is a french bulldog and uh, we, we have, and, and, and you remember my, uh, my late dog Buster was, uh, he was not with us for the trip, but no, we, we celebrated them all the way down. And the French and the English are getting along through 17 months. Yeah, quite well. You know, Winnie, Winnie lies there and, uh, and waits till, till Louis drives her out of her mind before she, <laughs> she gets a little aggressive and he moves to the other side of the car and, and sits in his own space. It's all good. So I, I guess in all of our conversations, I have not known that you were a Lou Gehrig fan more than any other baseball fan would be. I mean, is this is Lou Gehrig a baseball idol of yours, uh, maybe in the vein of Tom Seaver, or did this just happen to work out well for a dog name and an iconic baseball player? Uh, I think more the latter. You know, we, we liked it as a dog name, an iconic baseball player. I don't know anybody truly who is a fan of baseball and is not a fan of Lou Gehrig. Uh, 
there's it seemed redundant to name him Tom Seaver when <laughs> that's actually I, I don't know if you're aware of this. My son's middle name is actually Seaver. That uh, uh, he is Jonah Seaver. We we have had dogs named Satchel Page. We have had dogs named Bob Gibson, uh, and and now we have a dog named Luke Garrick. So. It's uh, it's. I'll, I'll tell you a little quirky story about my son. My, my son's name is Jonah Seaver Depoto. His middle name, obviously, after Tom Seaver. And he was born in 1996 when I was playing for the New York Mets. And September of '96. And as soon as he was born, and and uh, our PR director at the time, Jay Horowitz, who's still with the Mets after all these years, uh, Jay, who was also with the Mets during Tom Seaver's uh, final days as a Met was uh was kind enough to let tom know of, of jonah's middle name and jonah received a box of goodies and by box i mean something as big as maybe a shipping crate full of goodies from tom seaver signed photos artwork baseballs you name it and and, and among that he received a letter from tom written on tom seaver's hall of fame letterhead and a letter written to me and to jay uh, welcoming Jonah to the world. I, I believe if I can quote it directly, and I know I can, <laughs> it's, uh, it says something along the lines of, uh, you know, dear, dear young Mr. Seaver, welcome to the world. Another K hurler. If you're ever, if you ever have the, the, the luck to, to pitch for the New York Mets in the big leagues, you have my permission to wear number 41. And, uh, that has been in a frame over Jonah's bed since he was in a crib. Uh, we've not let him take it off to college because it's going to go into the archives and hope that the day that he does tow it up for the Mets, it'll be with number 41 on. That's amazing. And it, it, I think it further illustrates the point that there is no family with more customized Tom Seaver autographs than the DePoto family. I, I think uh, we've chronicled that, that pretty well through, uh, through 11 episodes of The Wheelhouse. Um and something else that you'll find interesting, a guy that you probably already know a little bit, uh, but you'll get to know uh, even better this year and the years to come, a member of the uh, Mariners broadcast crew, Gary Hill, who is taking over for Kevin Kremen uh, starting this season, but also does a whole host of other things, play-by-play fill-in and uh, pre-game and post-game, and uh, does his own podcast for the Mariners as well. He has a dog, Jerry, named Satchel in honor of Satchel Page, So a little icebreaker for you and Gary at some point uh, in Peoria when he arrives into town. Well, um, clearly an icebreaker. I, I will say this though, and I'm glad you chose the work, uh, chose to, to word it that, that he will take over for Kevin Kremen, Kevin Kremen, because we know no one will replace Kevin Kremen. That's very true. That's very, and Kevin will be down in spring training for about uh, two weeks and will be a, a, a we'll be working for a few of those days. So it'll kind of help, bridge the transition a little bit but uh, we're looking forward to seeing kevin and kevin's looking forward to visiting some of his favorite restaurants as you can imagine uh, down in arizona well uh hey we want to talk yeah, to was, you uh, <laughs> go ahead i'm sorry I was, I was saying, I was, when you said working and the way you stopped around working i was envisioning my mind because you are in kirkland and i am in peoria i was thinking you were going through air air quotes when you were referencing <laughs> the fact that you would be working i have a feeling uh he'll be sitting uh up and behind Gary, making sure that everything, all the lights are on and the levels look good, and he'll be researching what happy hour dinner he can scoot off to as soon as uh, that that final out is recorded. That would be that would be classic uh, Kevin Spring Training style, and a style that I think we all hope to get to one day. <laughs> <laughs> uh, hey, this is going to be a fun one to talk about some early impressions in spring training uh, and uh, a, a lot of exciting stuff, obviously, for the Mariners going into 2018. 
but a, a few things to cover before we get to that. Some, some injury news with Erasmo Ramirez, with Ryan Healy, and also you announced some news recently of Kyle Lewis. Uh, I'll kind of leave the floor open to you for those three uh, to address those in any way that you like. But obviously two of those guys uh, impact the Mariners and, and how they will, uh, will in one case, uh, likely break camp uh, to begin the season. Yeah, I think that, well, first of all, we don't know that, that particularly with Ryan Healy and Erasmo Ramirez, that either one of them will not break camp with us. That's still open-ended. Uh, I'll start with Ryan. Obviously, since we last spoke, we we found out that Ryan was going to require, you know, a procedure of surgery on his hand, on his right hand. Uh, that is That has gone well. He's actually reported yesterday with the rest of the position players went through his physical, was otherwise healthy, had his bandages removed, and he is now uh, getting into the, the flexibility, mobility portion of his of his rehab. We're hopeful that he can get out on the field next week and start doing some defensive uh, work and, and that we can ramp up his cardio and training uh, uh, exercises and get him in a good place so that when he is able to start swinging the bat, we can progress him quickly. We feel like we dodged a bullet. You know, we found this one early enough and, and there was enough, uh, I guess, enough experts that were able to weigh in on the, the matter. And Ryan had a surgery that took no more than 20 minutes. And, and in the 20-minute surgery, hopefully we, we avoided a longer uh, layoff and we expect this to be no more than four to six weeks. And if, if everything lands perfectly, I guess there's still a chance that he could be in our opening day lineup. The greater likelihood is that we will start uh, with Ryan on the disabled list, that that's what we're prepared for. But we don't think that it's going to be a long layoff. Uh, I guess with Erasmo Ramirez, that one popped up while we were down here just this past weekend. Erasmo made us aware that he was feeling some tightness in the back of his shoulder. It wound up being a, a, a lat strain. So not necessarily something directly related to his shoulder, but more the muscle that supports his shoulder. And you know, Erasmo it, it is a he's a guy that pushes the ball a little bit more. Let's say there's a, a group of player that's more a tall and fall, like a James Paxton, and there's more a power guy who's pushing from the rubber, and that's that's the category that I think Erasmo falls in. So this is a this is an injury that's not uncommon for that style of pitcher. It, it's also something that I think we caught early enough, and Erasmo believes we caught early enough that that hopefully it turns into a short term thing. Uh, we should find out in another 10 days or so when we might be able to release him to start throwing and, and prepare for his season. But we're still in a little bit of gray area there. And, and hopefully, again, it was caught quickly enough to, to avoid any kind of long layoff. And lastly, with Kyle Lewis, Kyle has had a very uh, arduous journey back from, the, from a summer 2016 collision at home plate that, that has truly been a, a long road to return. Uh, he had a procedure, what we'll call a cleanup uh, of his knee, uh, just this past week. So we're, we're not quite 10 days out in, in that general ballpark of, of his procedure. We anticipate that his layoff will also be in the neighborhood of four to six weeks. And, and our hope is that this will be the final step in Kyle returning healthy after what has been him having to battle adversity through most of his prof all of his professional career to this point. And, you know, he is so talented. He has the ability to go out there and be a star player. And unfortunately he's never been able to do that pain-free since August of 2016. And, and we're hopeful that that come April, May of 2018, he's finally in the, in the, the good zone and able to go do all the things that we know he can. 
Uh, to quickly, just to kind of put a bow on all this, Jerry, and thanks for the report on all three of those guys. Touching back quickly on Healy, obviously a anticipated acquisition by the Mariners this offseason and, and so many people looking forward to what he could do at first base. During the time, even if he does break camp with the Mariners, if all things go well and maybe even better than expected, who will we be expected to be seeing getting the bulk of playing time or audition time at first base uh, during the Cactus League? As you might imagine, the only person who might be more interested in that than you and perhaps our listeners is Ryan Healy. <laughs> you know, he, uh, it's the first question he asked me when, uh, when, when we found out that this was going to require some time down. And, and I assured him, we acquired Ryan Healy for a reason. We want him to be a part of, of the, both the short and long term with the Mariners. He's 25 years old. Uh, we have control of him for the next five years, and we intend for him to be a contributor here for, for all of that time. And, you know, I assured Ryan that his at-bats weren't going anywhere. They'll be there on the other end. And we have guys internally like Daniel Vogelbach, like Matt Haig, and our Rule 5 draft pick, Mike Ford, all of whom are here in Major League Camp. We also have a player we picked up off of waivers by the name of Cameron Perkins, who has some experience at first base. All of these guys have been really strong performers at the minor league level, with the exception of Matt Haig and Daniel Vogelbach, and uh, none have had a particularly, uh, I guess, long look at the major league level. But they're all accomplished minor leaguers, and, and particularly in the cases of Vogelbach and Ford, left-hand hitters who we believe have long-term value to the Mariners, and this might be their opportunity. I, I joked around with Ryan that you know, 10 years from now, he might look back on his Christmas card list and realize he made lifelong friends with, with guys <laughs> like Mike Ford or Dan Vogelbach because he provided them an open, you know, open door, an opportunity to start a career. And, you know, by the way, I can't you, – you mentioned a 20-minute surgery – I mean, there's not a quicker surgery known to man, is there? I can't imagine something shorter than 20 minutes. That's incredible. No, not unless you're Superman with laser vision, or you know, what's the guy from the X-Men that who's with the red light coming out of his eyes? I think you can, you know, rip it open and sew it up really quickly. But uh, no, Ryan, it's actually, actually, you know, Dr. Culp, who did perform the surgery, who's uh, out of Philadelphia, associated with the Phillies. You know, his first reaction was this really couldn't have gone any better. Uh, very quick surgery. It was not a particularly difficult one. Hopefully we solved the problem. Uh, again, we're, we're hopeful that, that Ryan's not out for, for any length of time, that we have him back as soon as opening day. But we'll wait for as long as it takes because we do like where, how he fits us in the long term. Well, at the time that we are recording this right now, Tuesday in the afternoon, of course, pitchers and catchers have been there since Valentine's Day. But today, the first full squad workout uh, what are you like on a day like this, Jerry? Do you get out of your office right at the time when all the guys hit the field and you want to be eyes on the scene, or are you still up in your office? How do you approach today? Uh, most, actually, most of spring training, I, I prefer to be outside. You know, I spend more than enough time in an office to get my, my fair share. <laughs> then I, I love being out. I love watching the players. I love visiting with the guys, finding out how their offseason went. In the case of the guys that you've not had a chance to talk to, find out how their families are doing. You get a chance to just lay an eye. You can tell who spent the time over this off season taking care of themselves. And in today's game, it's, it's really hard to tell the difference between a player in July and a player when they show up, 
in spring training in, in February. They take such good care of themselves. But you know, Nelson Cruz looks fantastic. Took off about 15 pounds, and and uh, as always, you can clearly see he spent a lot of time uh, on on molding his body. A, he's, he looks better every year. It's unbelievable. He's aging backwards. Uh, and Robinson Cano arrived yesterday. He looks terrific. Same with Gene Segura and Kyle Seeger. And I was very excited to see the guys run out there. And just as those names, you know, kind of come off the tongue, we have an extraordinarily talented group of players and, and hopefully we're able to, to stay healthy, stay on the field and, and do some damage. I, I, my sense on day one of full squad or even through the previous week with our pitchers and catchers here, the focus is very high and, uh, maybe more so than e- either of the past two years here uh, in Peoria. There's a there's a there's an intent with this group that that I think stems from the quality of the veteran players in the room and the energy of the young guys. We, it's the first year since we've been together truly, and when I say we, myself, Scott, and and this the, the primary group of players and coaches down in the locker room. As you are aware, we had a lot of turnover in 2016 and into 2017. This is by far the most stable and the most carryover we've had in a, in a roster since we've been here. And there's a confidence and there's a focus in that room that has not really existed in the previous two spring trainings. That's exciting to hear. Hey, a little bit of a different feel uh, somewhat in spring training this year. Scott Brocious is running camp for the Mariners this year. Does that mean anything different for the Mariners? Or is it just kind of business as usual, just a different guy, quote unquote, running things for the Mariners? Uh, I don't think it's just a different guy. We may be the only team that's got a, a World Series MVP putting together our, our daily programs. Uh, Scott Brosius has been terrific from the day he joined our staff, started last year, really from the day he joined our organization, uh, dating back to, to the winter of 2015. He's a, he's a terrific guy, very easy to spend time with. It, Scott ran a college program at Linfield for 16 years after retiring as a player. So his ability to to coordinate and organize is very strong, and it, and it's shown up early. It's uh, the the daily schedule, as you will find when you when you escape Kirkland and get down here to Peoria, is is much easier to read. And frankly, it's gone off without a hitch. Everybody's where they're supposed to be. We are we are running an efficient camp, and we're doing a lot of work with more intent than we had in the previous two years. And that and that's not a knock on anything we've done in the previous two years. I think it's a testament to the focus of this group and what they've got going on. But bro's been terrific. I know the players think a lot of him, and more importantly, Scott and the, and the other coaches really rely on him every day. From what I could tell online, just happened to come across a photo. It looked like uh, Joe Torrey was in camp the other day and uh, had a little photo op with Scott Brocious. I know Joe is somebody who, uh, for good reason, thinks very highly of Scott Brocious. Scott Brocious, the, the, I, I guess the – the the aforementioned World Series MVP happened as a member of Joe Torre's World Series team, and and I, I, Joe was here. He visited with Scott and Manny Acta, who's obviously now still on staff, but but now serving as our bench coach. Manny, Scott, and I met with Joe Torre and Peter Woodfork from MLB first in in regard to some some rule changes uh, that we're going to experience for for 2018 and and it's what joe does every year and you know one of my favorite days of the spring is when joe torrey comes in because to me that's baseball royalty and we we talk about the you know the lou gehrig's and the satchel pages there's there's few people in baseball that, that particularly they're walking planet earth today that are as accomplished as joe torrey and 
I know Scott thinks the world of him. And Joe, in addition to, you know, being a vice president at Major League Baseball and taking care of on-field rules and umpire communications, uh, Joe is, is really giving to young managers around the league, including Scott. And, and I know they all appreciate that. It's, uh, it's, it's something to give back. And, and I know the time with Joe is, is great. We had to wait 10 minutes for him to stop hugging and loving on Scott Brosius, but I, I guess it, it was, uh, it was well-deserved. It was well-deserved. We didn't win him a world series. Right? We had to wait. I think we'll, uh, we definitely want to dive into some of those rule changes with you at some point near the end of spring training, probably. Today, we'll probably keep things more focused on what's happening in Peoria these days, but that's uh, something good to bookmark for uh, or flag for a podcast to come. Well, uh, hey, has there been, other than uh, Joe Torrey swinging by, has there been a, a moment or something along those lines that has really stood out to you uh, these first few days in camp that you've been down there? Uh, whether it be from the start of pitchers and catchers to today's full squad, has there been a, a moment that really rings clearer than anything else for you so far, Jerry? Uh, a moment, well, I would say along the lines of our last two years or last two springs and, and this being the third with this group with Scott managing, you know, it, our, a lot of what we're doing culturally or environmentally down in our clubhouse remains unchanged, but with a couple of new twists and, and one of the, the real fun elements of what Scott and the staff do in the morning is, is introducing new players to, to uh, the Mariners. And, you know, the, the young guys standing up and giving us a backstory, who they are, where they're from, how they got here, et cetera. Uh, Scott does a wonderful job in, in bringing out personalities. And, and I know our veteran players, and they've mentioned it over and over in the last couple of years, is how much they appreciate getting to know their teammates in that moment. Uh, even guys that may not play here in Seattle over the course of the summer, there's 60 guys down in that room that are going to, that are going to stay together for the next six weeks. And, and, and to get to know each other is a, is a really important element, but you know, D Gordon, who is, uh, as you well know, from having met him up during media week in Seattle is an electric personality. He's fun to be around. And, you know, Scott was, was going through pitchers and catchers and, in the early pitchers and catchers session, it just so happened that D had arrived early as a position player and he had somehow snuck into the pitchers catchers meeting. And while they were going through the early get to know you sessions with, with some of the younger pitchers, you know, Scott was talking about uh, basketball. One of the pitchers brought up what uh, brought up basketball and, and one of the other players said, you know what we need, we got a pool table. We need a, we need a basketball hoop. We need a pop a shot. And Scott said, interesting, interesting. So, you know, Robbie Cano bought the pool table. Who's going to pay for the Papa shot? And, you know, he turned around and immediately found Felix. <laughs> you know, it seemed like as good a spot to go to anybody to, to pay for a Papa shot. And while he was panning the room to, to find, you know, find Felix and saying, where's Felix? He came across, you know, a straggler in the room and, and it was D Gordon. And, and uh, and he and he came by and he saw D and he said he said D you look like as good a shot as any you're gonna buy us a Papa shot and and uh, and D looked up and he said I'm buying a Papa shot how I get roped into that and as it works out he got roped into it in in Miami as well so you know D Gordon hopefully this is his last stop and the last time he'll have to buy a Papa shot but we are now going to have uh, in addition to our pool table a Papa shot in our clubhouse it's going to be a, a veritable arcade down there. <laughs> <laughs> That's fantastic. You know, I've I've heard I haven't had a chance to talk to D about this, but I've heard he's like he's a really big basketball fan and 
basketball, like really enjoys playing pickup hoops. So uh, maybe this is just an extension of that. And I'm, I'm not sure. Do you have any idea, Jerry, the, the going market rate for a Papa shot? I don't, but I'm guessing it's, you know, by the standards of, of us normal folk, it's not cheap. Sure. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, you know, I think, you know, D is, uh, I know it, I, as I understand, it's not quite as expensive as the pool table, you know, which, which, which adds up because he doesn't make quite as much as Robinson Cano. So, uh, whoever I'm, I'm guessing he's not going to come in with a nerf hoop, but it's going to be something maybe a little more elaborate than that. I'm eager to see the placement of this because in my mind as I'm, going through a virtual tour of the home clubhouse. I don't know exactly where that's going to fit, but I'm sure, I'm sure that those guys are up to the challenge to figure that out. Um, you know, Jerry, I'm, I'm eager to talk about one guy in particular uh, on your roster and what you have seen so far of Edwin Diaz. Uh, we know that there was, it sounds like a little bit of a, a flu bug or something along those lines in Puerto Rico uh, before he came to Arizona that maybe knocked him down a couple of pounds that he's trying to get back. But it, by all initial reports, it sounds like he put on some really good weight uh, this offseason, and he's had one of the uh, early uh, great quotes of spring training when he told the media that he wants to be the old guy on the mound this year, uh, referring uh, to between the ears more than anything and his ability to, uh, to adjust up on the mound. But uh, what's it been like seeing some of the early bullpens of uh, Edwin Diaz so far this year? Eddie, like you said, he looks terrific. Uh, you know, to to envision the fact that Edwin Diaz has put on a couple of pounds doesn't take a whole lot. He still looks super skinny, <laughs> but it's uh, but it is a strong body. It's uh, you know, Edwin is particularly athletic. He's a he's a strong guy despite the wiry look. And his first two bullpens have been electric. And he's not the only one. There's a handful of guys that that have looked awesome in the early going maybe no one more so than Eddie, his, his delivery, the repetition, he's been working on towel drills. It's fun to watch him in the morning. He and Juan Nicasio have hit it off pretty quickly. And uh, the two of them are out there early in the mornings before we start, even before we have our morning meeting going through towel drills and, and a towel drill is meant to teach you to, uh, it's, it's for motor memory. You're trying to teach yourself to repeat your own delivery. And, and that's, has his story very well when he gets in his in his funks it's usually relative to his not repeating his release point and his delivery and this this spring in the early going it has been remarkably consistent and as a result he's he has his usual explosive velocity his usual explosive fastball and his slider has been incredibly consistent through the first two bullpens which was not the case in in last year's spring training and uh, this year it looks spot on. His command has been great. And he's actually working on a changeup, uh, which uh, I don't know how much time or, or really interest we will, we will spend on that. But he, by himself, worked on it this offseason. It's pretty firm changeup. <laughs> and uh, I guess when you're throwing 100, your changeup does look firm. But the ball sinks, and you know, it, it could be something in his back pocket that he can introduce against an occasional lefty. You know, in addition to Edwin's bullpens, guys like Max Posey, uh, Rob Whalen looks so much better than he did a year ago, both physically and, and in, his, in his mental approach on the mound. Uh, Art Warren was really a standout in the early sessions and, and caught the interest of, of a lot of our staff. Young guy who we picked up as a minor league free agent by, by the name of Yohendi uh, Himenyan is a, is a big, big arm. Might be as hard a thrower as we have in camp and you know, he, he's been interesting to watch in the early going. 
and then the precision. Our starting rotation, obviously, with the exception of Erasmo, has been excellent. You know, Mike Leak, it, it, he's a strike-throwing machine in the pens. Marco Gonzalez has been carving it up. James Paxton looks awesome, and that's a good thing. And I think for the first – well, I know for the first time in my three years, I, I watched Felix Hernandez throw a bullpen in February, which I think is a step in the right direction for Felix, and, and Felix looks energized. He's excited to be a part of it, and, and I feel like Felix is engaged in the workday in a way that I haven't seen in a couple of years. And if I've seen anything that excites me most, that's it. Uh, we're, we're very excited about the group we have, and, and with the exception of Erasmo, the general health has been good, which is nice. Thumbs up or thumbs down, Jerry, to Mike Leake shaving the locks off. I think this took a lot of people by surprise, and I think it broke some hearts, Jerry. Uh, broke some hearts, but, you know, we have, we have some locks to spare. There's, there's plenty we can, you know. That's very true. We can, we can send them some extra locks from Taylor Motter. We can send them some Ben Gamma locks. It's, uh, you know, there, there are a couple out there. This, this is, I will say, is probably is, is as clean a cut team as we've had in, in the three years. And uh, Mike Lake, it, it, Scott said, I didn't even recognize him. He, Scott walked past him and didn't recognize Mike. So uh, it's, it is a different look. He looks, he looks incredibly young, and, uh, which is funny for a 30-year-old guy to, uh, to have taken that much time off his, his time clock. And I, I think he looks great, you know, personally. And maybe more importantly, knowing that, he, that he's healthy and just hammering the strike zone, regardless of the length of his hair. I know Mike Leake can pitch. And I'll say this about Mike Leake, and it's another thing that stands out to me in the early going in this camp. One of the real benefits in spring training is that the players are with each other nonstop. It's you get there in the early hours of the morning, you are with each other sometimes until the, the dinner hour and you're all, you're on top of one another and the camaraderie that develops in spring training lasts a year. And in some cases more like a career that the, the developing relationships and in the early sessions, Mike Leake, once he throws his session, once he throws his bullpen, once he throws his BP, you know, most pitchers are inclined to take it to the house, you know, throw some ice on, take a shower, you know, get their conditioning in. Mike doesn't do that. Mike waits and watches the rest of the group and offers them feedback, offers them praise, just that he's there to support them. And I find that a remarkably positive trait for a teammate, for a guy who's not super vocal, he is incredibly supportive of the teammates around him, and I think that's a, a, a really good culture builder for our pitching staff. Wow, that's very cool. That's, that's good to know. Hey, let's uh, transition a little bit to some listener questions. And uh, this first one, Jerry, is from Anders Jorstad, friend of the podcast. Uh, Anders wants to know, uh, I know players, managers, and front office try to make too much, uh, try not to make, a bigger part, and too much of spring training stats. So when it comes to position battles, and we've kind of talked about possibly one of those already, uh, such as maybe the back end of the rotation. Uh, what factors go into deciding who breaks camp with the team? And do stats play into that equation, Jerry, at all? Or is it based on what you physically see from them? Uh, I think stats. It's fair to say that stats play into it some, but maybe not as, as critically as during the regular season. Uh, we're watching spring training. I, I know you've been to more than enough spring trainings in Arizona, Aaron, to realize it is a particularly offensive environment here. Uh, you, you get a lot of football scores in Arizona spring trainings, and it's the thing that separates Arizona from Florida very clearly. Uh, I, I remember it vividly from being caught in the pitcher mower blades. But 
generally speaking, we're more likely to be forgiving to a, to a bad pitcher line. Usually those happen over one or two inning outings in the early going. And, uh, you know, it's hard ground, it's windy days, and, and, and it's a desert climate at a higher altitude. So you're going to get a little more offense. As a result, we're probably less likely to be super excited by, by what we think are unsustainable offensive performances. But what you're looking for are guys who are dialed in at their at-bats, they're grinding, they're getting into deep counts, they're doing all the right things and creating a process that will carry over. Same on the mound. You want to see guys command their pitches, move it in and out. You know, that being said, high walk rates are high walk rates. That's, a, that's something that is noticeable. Uh, if you're striking out too much, that's a problem. You know, that's something, at least statistically, that's going to stand out. But, you know, if whether, you know, if Nelson Cruz hits 220 in the spring or hits 420 in the spring, it's probably of no consequence. But if Daniel Vogelbach and Mike Ford, they're going to put their best foot forward, and this is our chance to see them perform. And, and their, you know, their statistical output or their performance on the field is probably going to have more bearing on, on our final decision. Similarly with the guys at the back end of the rotation. So, you know, it's, I guess it's case by case. The stats don't tell the whole story. It's more about the full picture, how they fit the roster. And, and as we see improvement through the six-week stretch, you're going to see guys start slow and finish strong and vice versa. And we need to be aware of that. I'll, I'll dovetail Anders' question with one of my own, Jerry. I would love to get inside your mind on this. Tell me, tell all of us, Jerry, one stat, just one stat in spring training that we should actually pay attention to. Is there such a thing? Does that stat exist that you look at and say that this stat, this might actually be a real stat? Walks. It's a very easy answer to me. And to the extent that you need to squeeze into my mind, it is a very empty attic up there. But, <laughs> uh, there's, <laughs> we have the, the stairway's wide open for you, brother. But uh, we have, uh, if going into spring training, like I said, you may get, I have had as a player, I, ha I have had spring trainings with double digit ERAs where I, where I had a perfectly normal season. And, and I have had spring trainings where I didn't give up a run. And, uh, you know, it, it kind of comes and it goes, but the one thing that is, is relative and it will always be relative is walks. It's, uh, you know, hitters that are drawing their walks, hitter that are, hitters that are running into deep counts are generally telling you a good story. Similarly, pitchers, pitchers who are throwing it over to the plate, just regardless of what their, their hit totals might be, what the, what the run prevention might be. Pitchers who are commanding the ball and throwing it over the plate are likely to be more prepared and, and ready for the season. So if I had to pick one number, one stat, one line that, that really matters more than the others, it's walks. You have to control that line of scrimmage before you're ready to start the season because unless you can throw it over the plate and unless you can control that white zone when the season starts, we're all in trouble. Okay, well, I look forward to asking Tim Heavily and his crew for the piece of paper every day that just has pitcher and batter walks on it, and that is all. And we'll uh, we'll just focus in on that because <laughs> as we've talked about, that's right. You uh, needn't worry about anything. <laughs> we, we try not to worry about much else up in the broadcast booth uh, during spring training. Uh, okay, uh, Jerry. One other question, and this one uh, is another good one. This is from Robert Hardy, and Robert says that he's bringing his wife Joe. You ready for this? From Derby in England to Seattle. To see the Mariners play the Tigers in May. It's May 18th. It'll be part of a month-long West Coast trip to celebrate. Congratulations to the Hardys. Their 10th wedding anniversary. And Robert, Jerry, is asking you and you alone, where should he take his lovely wife, Joe, to eat while they are in Seattle? 
Wow. I, I would say if, if in celebrating an anniversary on this one, I'm, I'm fairly in tune. Uh, I guess 18 days ago, I celebrated my 27th wedding anniversary. Oh, congrats. I took my wife to How to Cook a Wolf. Uh, oh, thank you. Thank you. Uh, but we went to uh, our good friend Ethan Stoll's place, How to Cook a Wolf, and uh, more small plates, great food. And there's a, you, you can literally, because nothing is an entree size, you can try so many different tastes. You can, and, and the, the wine list is, is really solid. You know, the, 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 it's, it, I don't want to say it, it's not appetizers. It's north of appetizers. It's lighter than entrees and the variety is incredible. And uh, I think it's, it's one of my favorite restaurants in Seattle. It's a, uh, it's, it's very unique. It's a, it's a smaller place with a great feel. Uh, it's got that kind of that rustic, just natural decor. It, it, it's fun. My wife and I went there. It's I would say uh, if 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 candlelight's what you're looking for, that's not your place. But if if fun, trendy, uh, it, it's a great environment and a really cool part of town. And and I love the food. There's not a single plate you can try that you won't enjoy. You know, I've the couple of times I've tried to get into How to Cook a Wolf, they have been uh, full. I haven't been able to get in, and I've been very curious about the name, Jerry. Is there, is there any evidence of wolfery inside the restaurant? Do, do, do we have a story on that? Do we have any idea? No, I, I truly I have no idea what wolfery is. But to, <laughs> to the extent that it would be present inside the restaurant, <laughs> but. Uh, you know, I, this is, it's funny because I, a, I think Ethan is, I, I've been to a number of his restaurants. I love every one of them. I think he's one of the most talented uh, chefs, not only in Seattle, but that, that you'll run across. It's, it's such a diverse menu or, or, and, and I like the person. He's just a genuinely good guy. who's very, very philanthropic, cares about his city. Uh, and, and I, so I favor his restaurants. I think they do a great job. And my wife and I were, we were in Europe, not in Derby, but we were in England for uh, a leaders in sport conference not too long ago, uh, this past off season. And we were in, we were in a vintage bookstore, not because I am a, a collector of vintage books, but because when we walked outside, we thought that looks cool. Let's see what's, what's going on. And as we walked in, there was, there was a book perched on a shelf on a, you know, a, a, light shining on it and it was a first edition book and the name of the book was how to cook a wolf and uh and it, it i had never really considered why ethan would have opted for that name it, uh it's it, it, a, a really artsy name in my opinion but uh it is it is drawn on a book that was written i think in the 1950s uh but you'd have to go look uh, how to cook a wolf. And, and I've never asked Ethan if that was his inspiration for naming the restaurant, but that cannot possibly be a coincidence. <laughs> Interesting. All right. That's good to know. I had no, I had no idea. Well, uh, you know, Jerry, as, as I look out my window right now, it is literally snowing here in Seattle. Uh, so we are uh, eager to get things going in spring training as you were already there. And uh, a reminder, the 23rd, that is the first spring training game for the Mariners. And, of course, people who they don't make the trip that early in spring training or at all, unfortunately, you can always listen online. Head to Mariners.com for all the uh, listening options there. And, as usual, I think it's right around 15 games again this year will be televised on Root Sports. But we'll have you covered every game on radio, whether it be on 710 for the local market uh, or on Mariners.com, of course, for the at-bat app as well. And then we are now under six weeks from opening night, March 29th at Safeco Field. Tickets can be had 
course, as always, at Mariners.com or any Mariners team store. And uh, Cactus League play, man, under a week away. Jerry, this has been awesome, man. Thank you, as always, for the time, for the insights, and uh, looking forward to uh, doing this in person sometime soon. I'm very much looking forward to it. Okay, picture this. It's Friday afternoon when a thought hits you. I can waste another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can conquer it. I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. Any road. The steeper, the better. Because my all-new Santa Fe is available with H-Track all-wheel drive, so I can hit the trail without a worry in the world. Heck, with three rows and best-in-class rear cargo space, I can pack the whole family in with all our gear. We've got available dual wireless charging for our phones, so we'll never lose touch with civilization, and we won't lose touch with the primordial power of Mother Earth. So which is it? Waste the weekend or do something a little more epic? And conquer it in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai. There's joy in every journey.